Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christopherson, here on Tuesday morning. Gentlemen, you got to go to a practice, a full practice, on Saturday. You watched a little scrimmage action. You get to see Nebraska and uh, most of their 2021 roster out there performing. I think that's kind of the big story, but do we have any scintillating banter we need to get to first? I just went for the music. There was a, I, I think Bruns would agree, there was a wide blend of music played at Memorial Stadium on Saturday. Give us an example. What were like three different artists that all popped up? Well, I'll, st- I'll start with one. I don't know who the artist was. Who was the, what, there was a couple Yacht Rock songs um, that we, uh, did, do you know who the artist was though? I don't. Um, I actually asked and Gary was going to look it up because Gary Sharp was sitting behind us. Um, and he never did, but uh, there, it was a uh, it was yacht rock. There was like um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, a heavy a heavy amount of Earth, Wind, and Fire. There was some Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah, there was Snoop. There's some more uh, present day uh, hip hop and rap music that was played, and a lot in some country at the end. Like it was pretty much everything except for like some soft jazz and maybe some classical like you didn't get any schubert or anything like that on the piano but um everything else you, you probably could have gotten there i can't so? remember which player said it i think it was like the 2018 season but someone was complaining that the offensive line was going to be in charge of the music for the next practice and that meant that it was going to be all country and that, that still cracks me up every time because i think uh position groups like get to pick or that's that's sort of the way that the this staff started it in 2018. Like each position group gets their own practice day where they're in charge of the music. Is Scott Frost a country guy? He's he hasn't he said he's kind of a country guy. I thought that was maybe him at the end, or maybe he had, you know, maybe he had that ludicrous selection that was in there too. Who knows? Is he a big Casey Donahue guy or something? That's I, I, don't, I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, that <laughs> it, it's like indie country. Oh. The it, it was basically like they took every coach's iPod, if they even use an iPod still, and just kind of dumped it in one big pile and then just kind of put it on random. Like it was seriously like you went from yacht rock to like outcast. Are, are you sure they didn't use a Zune brunt? A what? <laughs> Zune. This is Microsoft's version of the iPod that <laughs> failed miserably. Oh, no, I, I missed that. Uh, I missed that reference. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I got it. I got it. I actually a long he was time all over ago, it. I heard yeah, a lot. Yeah, a long time ago at the newspaper, I wasn't writing sports and I wrote a big story about the Zune and how it was gonna challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it was gonna challenge the iPod. I remember it very well. And it that quite that didn't quite happen. No. <laughs> no, it didn't. It did not. I'm looking at a picture okay. of the Zune so, right now. No, he, Nobody wants to listen to a Zoom about the Zoom. So uh, let's let's dive into what you guys saw on Saturday. Let's do a little stock up, stock down. And uh, I will just let you guys kind of pick the players you want to talk about. We'll start with Brunts. Who is a stock up player for you? Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll avoid the obvious because I, I think pretty much the, the wide receiver group as a whole um, was stock up. But I, I think for me um, – you know, one stock up guy was, was Heinrich Harburg. Um, you know, I, I think we got to see a little bit of the arm um, in, in the first open, 
you know, little, little uh, piece of practice that we got to see. And, you know, he, he looks like a freshman. I think that there's a very long way for him to go. He's very raw, but the, the size is there. The arm talent is there. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch that kind of come together over the next couple of years. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, when, when they, when Scott Frost says the ball comes out of his hand really easily, I think that's a pretty, pretty easy way to describe it. And I think a very true way to describe it. All right. That's uh, that's good news because I think the, the backup quarterback position, just in general, it's obviously not its own position, but the backup quarterback spot in general is going to be a discussion point for most of the rest of the spring, certainly the spring game and beyond. And so uh, if, if people feel reasonably well about Harburg, I don't know if 2021 um, how much, you know, he can get in there, but I, I, I am happy to hear that he's kind of hit the ground running uh, with this, this first spring that he has had. BC, who stood out for you? Who's a stock up player? Okay. I'll avoid the receivers for now too. We could almost start the next segment just and talk about them for a few minutes. Cause that's a whole another topic of who's up within that group, but avoiding them. Javen Wright uh, had the play of the day, uh, one handed leaping interception that made the rounds on social media uh, had the crowd ooing and awing, and it didn't surprise me that Javen Wright was like out there and kind of the lead guy as at being JoJo Jr. sort of. Uh, but still, it was it was really promising to see because he's a guy who they've really loved since he got here, but the injuries have gotten in the way. So finally, now you're seeing him. We actually, with our own eyes, get to see him move around and make a play like that. Uh, that was exciting. Um, I, I think they've got a good setup right now with Javen uh, or Buddha, as he's known, and uh, Isaac Gifford as both guys who can fill that Doman role after Doman leaves. And now they've got a year to sort of work themselves into it. And in the meantime, while those guys are showing they can maybe do that, I think you're starting to see that maybe – Noah Pola Gates is coming on the scene a little bit and there's some chemistry with Miles Farmer and maybe they're not the starters this year, but maybe that's setting up for the future at that safety spot. So you can kind of see if you think about those pieces, how it could, how the puzzle could fit together beyond 2021 a little bit. Do you think that I, I was thinking about this a little bit after, you know, went home and kind of reflected on things a little bit. Do you, do you think that they are going to find some kind of role for right? this year because obviously Jojo Doman is going to be out there in the fall. He's going to be out there a lot. I mean, he, he very rarely leaves the field, but when you look at the size that Wright brings to the table, the, the athleticism, do you think that he's the kind of guy that you will see out there in some kind of package or different look, say on like third down or something like that? First off, I'd like to I like to envision you going home and reflecting on the practice. Like, did yeah. you sit uh -huh. in like a comfortable chair in the corner and kind of just stare at the wall for fifteen minutes, thinking about Javen Wright? Put on some um, Schubert. Yeah, <laughs> it helps. Uh, I think yeah, I think he's definitely going to play. I mean, if we if we go by the words of the coaches, Scott Frost and Travis Fisher said he would have played last year if not for the injury. Um, I think all, all across the board on defense, there's an interesting storyline of how do you keep um, 
filling the plate enough of some of those guys who are maybe your main guys in 2022, but aren't there this year, but how do you give them enough action this season that, you know, that they're all here and that they're, they're happy and content and you're moving forward with them getting some playing time. I think that's going to be one of the balancing acts that they're going to have to do. It was really good when all those super seniors returned on defense, but it did, it did add a layer of how you work the depth chart and how you work game reps. Cause I do think you have to acknowledge that a little bit. Was that, that, that was kind of the, on Saturday, like, I think you can kind of picture, you know, what, what a veteran defense looks like and, and kind of how deep Nebraska is defensively right now, but actually seeing guys out there running around, seeing the way that Nebraska was moving guys in and out. I mean, it, it really is remarkable the, the depth that they have at certain spots. I mean, the, the outs, the, the inside linebacker group, I mean, you could probably play like certainly three deep once you have Will Honus back, um, you know, the outside linebacker, you have options. Um, same with the secondary. I mean, you, you've got Nadab Joseph and, um, and Braxton Clark. I mean, one of those guys is essentially going to be a third teamer um, this year. And I, you know, I, you can kind of get it when, when the coaches are talking about it, but when you actually see it in action, I mean, it is pretty striking uh, how many potential guys they have that could probably help them this year, but maybe won't be able to, because there's just not enough spots and snaps. I want to ask about Isaac Gifford, because are we seeing the sort of trend that we saw with Luke, his older brother, where he moved from safety, where he was recruited to, he got big enough and they liked the athleticism at linebacker. That was with a different staff. And then of course the, the in 2018 his senior year with Nebraska he became a very good outside linebacker. Do you think we're going to see that with Lou, or with Isaac Gifford as well, Brian? Yeah, I sort of do. And and Mike Dawson had an interesting comment the other day. Um, you know, Jojo Doman is a is a pretty special guy in that he can do everything so well, um, or at least has those traits that he could actually play all ninety snaps in a game if there are ninety snaps and. That's not always the way it has to be, though. Like, I think Dawson was saying maybe it takes two different guys with slightly different skill sets. Maybe Javen does something a little bit better than Isaac or vice versa, and you kind of work them in depending on what the situation is in the game. So I definitely think uh, there's a future for him there. I think Isaac Gifford is one guy who I would say the general public might be sleeping on. He doesn't come up quite as much as other guys, but he actually – if you're paying attention last season, he got thrown into the mix a little bit more than some others on defense. And uh, Travis Fisher really likes him. Mike Dawson really likes him. I, I think he's got the football IQ that his brother did. He's actually on a little bit quicker path than Luke was. And we all know Luke was a really good player by the end of his career. Luke had the injuries early on. So hopefully Isaac can avoid those. But, yeah, he's setting up to follow the same path that Luke did, I think. It's interesting. They're different. They're different body types. Like yeah, they I, are. Isaac's listed at 6'1", 205 right now. And I think Luke, by the time he was done at Nebraska, was almost 240, 250 pounds. Um, so I, I agree with Brian, though. I mean, you, you saw Isaac in there in some, some pretty key moments um, last year. He played, was it Northwestern? I, I think he, he saw a few snaps in there that, you know, might have kind of flown under the radar a little bit. But – 
it, it just seems like on on defense right now, there's just those kinds of guys that are, you know, mix and match type players um, that, that, you know, at least I, I think gives Nebraska options to, to play a little bit more situationally than they could have before. All right. So let's do one more stock up from each of you uh, before we, we dive into um, the wide receiver play just in general. Go ahead, Bruns. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 we didn't really get a chance to, well, we didn't get a, a, a huge chance to see, you know, any live work. They didn't go full scrimmage 11 on 11 at any point, but you know, I think a guy that has entered into the conversation more than I think I would have expected at this point in his career is Matt Sichterman. Um, you know, the very, you know, deep group that uh, Nebraska has an offensive line that's competing for playing time at the guard spots. I don't know that Sichterman was necessarily at the front of people's minds, um, you know, coming into the spring and, you know, they go out there on Saturday and he's, your first guy getting reps at right guard. Um, so that was notable. I think kind of where they were moving guys in and out, I, I think was notable as well. I mean, you had Brant Banks taking uh, reps at guard. Ezra Miller was out at tackle. Um, you know, Banks was also at tackle. You've got Trent Hickson pretty much only playing center uh, behind Cameron Jurgens. So, uh, you know, that, that was interesting to see kind of where guys were, were being put and, and who they were playing behind in what order. But Matt Sichterman, I think, was one guy that um, was probably not at the forefront of that competition, I think, at the start of the spring for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I'd probably say I think we should just mention this because it's been a big story who was going to win the other cornerback job opposite Taylor Britt. And Quinton Newsom is ahead right now. I mean, Travis Fisher laid that out yesterday. But you also on Saturday saw that he was the guy that was running out with the ones. And then they do have a nice second group, though, uh, behind him. Travis Fisher calls them the 1.5s. He doesn't even want to call them the twos, really. But you've got your farmer and your pull of gates at safety. And then you got Nadab Joseph at a corner and Braxton Clark at a corner. Now, where it could get a little interesting is Braxton Clark is a little bit um, – handicapped because he's he's not in all the live drills right now and so that probably hurts his chances a little bit at this moment in the competition and so Quinton Newsom probably has the edge there but I thought going in Newsom would win that job I, I think he's the guy who if you ever since he's got in here you could tell Fisher's really liked him and trusted him and last year he played a lot and was almost viewed as a starter and so I'll be surprised, honestly, if someone beats out Newsom. But there was sort of confirmation on Saturday and yesterday at the media session that he is right now in the lead. All right. That's good to know. As someone with a bunch of Braxton Clark stock, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do with that right now. I might have to hold on to it a little bit. But that, that position group is always sort of fascinating. And we know Travis Fisher wants to play a lot of different defensive backs when he gets the chance. All right. You guys have been salivating. Both of you have been hinting at it. I know you're ready to talk about it. Give us the goods on these wide receivers. Best group Scott Frost has had since he's been here, and you agree, Brooks? Yeah, I think so. Um, Look at that enthusiasm, folks. Listen yeah, to him. He couldn't be more excited to talk about wide receiver play. 
It's <laughs> yes, but there's a caveat, right? There always is. Um, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. I'm just, I'm just going to. Irving Fryer, Irving Fryer wouldn't crack the two deep with these wide receivers. <laughs> just start, start saying stuff like that. They would, they would, they would have moved Stanley Morgan to running back if they had to yeah. when he showed up. Um, yeah, it, it's the the group looks different. I mean, it's a big physical, athletic group that you know when you compare what they had in, in the last couple of years. I yeah, they they have not had the depth and athleticism that this group possesses this year. Um, a big part of that is having Omar Manning out there. Uh, that was the first time getting to see him uh, run around and catch passes and all that other stuff in a Nebraska uniform. And, I mean, I, you have to be, I think, really careful with Manning because he's obviously had the health issues that have kept him off the field. You kind of need to take it one step at a time with him. But – in the same breath, you see him run around and you see him out there with Nebraska's other wide receivers. And it was a little bit to me, like when we saw Randy Gregory for the first time in a Nebraska uniform and you're like, Holy crap, this guy just looks different than a lot of Nebraska players. I mean, is, is that, that, I don't think that's hyperbole, Brian. No. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he's just one of the best uh, off the bus receivers we've seen he is the best off the bus receiver i've seen since covering the team actually um now on the field i i don't know all the intricacies of the stuff he has to work on but what was impressive was he he went and got some 50 50 balls and i'm not just talking about those 40 yard balls that are up in the air down the field like he got one of those against a third string defensive back where he went up and took it away and that was nice but the play i really liked was there was sort of a throw it was a short it was a shallow inside route and Mm -hmm. Braxton Clark had him well covered and uh basically Omar Manning boxed him out like it was a really impressive move like he came back to the football and and got in there and got it and spun away so quickly and obviously they weren't tackling or anything so Braxton might have got him to the ground in a real situation but it was just such a fluid movement how he got that ball which could have been picked and actually turned it into a completion and then was spinning and running toward the end zone. And Braxton Clark, I think, thought he pushed off a little bit and maybe he did. I couldn't see it from art, but it was, it was a, I thought it was a really good play by Omar. And he just had a few of those where he just like looks, uh, you know, he, he looks so fluid is the word when he's out there, like in the way he, he stops and runs his routes, he's pretty precise. I, I was very impressed with him, but, um, that's that's kind of where I want to stop it. <laughs> yeah, I, like like it. I I thought he had a really good day, and then you got your mind your mind kind of running about what could be, and and then you're like, I I got to be careful with this, you know. Like let's let's just simmer down for a second after after you left. The the, the other guy that we we saw for the first time that stood out to me, um, and, and I think we kind of talked about this on Saturday. I mean, I, I think I think Nebraska is going to play Will Nixon a lot. Um, you know, I, I think he kind of fills that Wandale type role where you can move him around a formation, you can get him in motion and, you know, he's got the background as a running back. He was also a wide receiver coach's kid. It seemed like he was pretty comfortable uh, in, in the offense and he's coming off of a knee injury and, you know, that they're going to have to be patient with him. But I, I was, 
impressed with his steadiness on Saturday. I didn't really see him drop passes. Um, you know, he seemed like he was, you know, really engaged asking a lot of questions of the coaching staff too. So, um, you know, I, I think he's another guy that, that maybe gets overlooked a little bit when you're talking about the bets and the Therese and the Mannings and Oliver Martin and those guys. So I, I think he's another guy to, to watch going through uh, the fall and, and maybe even will have a role on special teams in the return game as well. All right. So we've talked, we've, we've talked to all positives. Brian, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, we, we've talked all positives. Uh, what, what concerns do you have coming out of Saturday? We'll start with Brian this time. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's running back. It's not like, I think the sirens need to sound all over town, but it's, it's been a disappointing spring because just nobody's been available. I mean, some of the main guys you want to see. And so you go there Saturday and it would have been tough to judge anyway. Don't you believe Bruns from what we saw, like who was really, I, it was sort of a tough practice where I don't think you could have got a great read on the running backs. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so that was hard, but I mean, Marvin Scott, give Marvin Scott this, he's been available and that counts for a lot right now. Um, you know, he's, he's been the one guy of those young guys who's been out there constantly. And that's been an issue where Sevian Morrison's got to get, you know, he's got to get himself on the field and be a part of it. And, uh, Ramir Johnson was out and Marquis step was on a little cart as you'd expect till the summer. Uh, Ronald Tompkins was on the field. So we saw a little bit of him. I wouldn't say anybody just jumped off the scene at me. Uh, Yant is an interesting guy. He, Travis Fisher says he's like 245 pounds and he is a big dude. I can't tell yet if he has the burst or not for when you get to, to the fall, if, if he's uh, going to be a part of the story or if he's just a spring story, but you know, he's, he's been a, a nice addition to at least have a guy who can take up some reps right now. But I think that's a disappointment. It's just not, we are supposed to have this big competition and it, it really hasn't got off the ground, it feels like. Runtz, do you have anything to add that isn't running backs? Yeah, I, I was watching the tight ends a little bit. Um, and, and it's, you know, very striking, I guess, with, within that room now, um, you know, the, the, the differences in, in kind of where guys are at in their careers. I mean, you, you've got Austin Allen and, and Travis Vokalek, who are veteran guys, big blockers, uh, you know, that, that are going to play a lot. And then on the other hand, you've got, you know, Thomas Fedoni and, and James Carney over there, uh, you know, kind of going through their first spring and trying to figure things out a little bit. I think from watching Fedoni a couple of times, um, he really wants to learn. Like you can tell that. And, you know, Sean Becton's taken extra care to go through things with those two guys and, and kind of what, you know, they need to be doing, even from them, you know, where they needed to be standing during drills. I mean, I, I noticed that, you know, he was kind of correcting, you know, a foot here, a foot there, that kind of thing, uh, when they were just kind of holding a pad and a blocking drill. So that that stood out to me. And I, I think, you know, you have to kind of be a little bit realistic about the challenges of, you know, a, a freshman, even a highly rated one, being able to come in and make a huge impact. I mean, I, I think Fedoni's going to have a place on the field this fall. I'll be very eager to see how they use him because it, it's – He's athletic. He can catch the ball. He can do everything you want to tie him to do. But when he's standing next to Travis Vokalek, um, he, th those are, you know, two very different looking 
tight ends right now. And I, I think, uh, you know, people just kind of need to be prepared for that as they go through the spring a little bit. I, uh, I think it's interesting that you would come on this show and immediately start a new tight end feud. Yours appears to be with uh, Thomas Fedoni. <laughs> has moved on. You can't let BC off the hook that easily. Bruns makes a good point, though, because Fedoni's the future. And obviously, like, it's he's such a headline getter that even though he's just a new guy, he gets asked about, like, every practice, post-practice session, it feels like to write a little story or something on him. And yet in the same room, I think Austin Allen is one of the best players on this football team. I don't even think there's a question like um, that. He made such a jump last year and you can, it looks like he's ready to take off from that. Um, Austin Allen would be one of my top three players on this team right now. So I, I, it's interesting that the young guy's going to get all the, the pub and hype, but in that same room is the guy who's, going to be the most important this season all right good stuff um anything else you want to get to about what you saw on saturday bc you had some hot takes on the punting oh i don't know i i I, we only saw him each kick like four or five of them, didn't we? I mean, it was, it was hard to judge. I, it wasn't like, we didn't see anybody booming any 60 yarders. Let's put it that way. There was a couple that, that were shanked. Um, but I, I think Mike Dawson did say something on a real note about that. That's uh, Cerny or Daniel Kearney or Cerny. Journey. Journey. Um, he's, he, he made it sound like he's still coming back a little bit from that injury. So I think we have to keep that in mind too. This, this is a, a serious question about my, my joke about your, your punting hot takes from what you saw on Saturday. Did you get the sense that Nebraska is really prioritizing special teams? Yeah. Cause they, they started with it and then they would filter it in it like every quarter of the practice. Like they do it at the start. Then you'd, a third of the way through you'd see it again and then they'd stop it for another thing. So I, I, I think the starting with special teams thing is a big deal too. And players have mentioned it throughout the spring because it, it sets the tone like this, this is something so important that we're jumping right to it every day. And that's going to be the way it is. And so the, I think that was a, a smart play to kind of mentally work on guys that way to, to stress how big this thing is. It's, it's also notable, I think, too, when you talk to guys after practices um, and, and kind of do a head count of who's involved with coverage units on special teams, it's a lot of guys. Um, and we'll see if that translates to improvement there in the fall, but it really does seem like, especially with the veteran guys, that there's much more of a sense of urgency to get more involved. And it, it seems to be a little bit more emphasized, I think, from the top down than maybe what it has been um, in, in the past couple of years, which is, is an important thing, I think. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to switch sports entirely. We're going to dive into a little basketball. Nebraska picked up a transfer. I know nothing about this guy, so you guys are going to have to tell me everything about him. Uh, Nebraska baseball continues to rip off wins. And uh, we will see what else we come up with. Maybe we'll talk a little uh, social media taunting. We can finish up with that. See if anybody has strong thoughts there. All right. You're listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll be right back. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Nebraska basketball picked up another transfer over the weekend. They announced him already. Michael Brunts, what can you tell us about Nebraska basketball's newest offseason addition? Just another uh, run-of-the-mill top 100 transfer that Nebraska is adding to its roster. Um, Keon, Edwards. <laughs> Keon Edwards, uh, DePaul transfer. He's had kind of a unique last year. He, uh, because of COVID, graduated early, um, had been committed and signed with DePaul and uh, enrolled at DePaul in December. So he went through the second semester – um, there with them, uh, played in five games off the bench. And, you know, when they, they fired Dave Leto, I think it's Leto, Leto. Um, and he was looking for a new spot and, you know, Nebraska had offered him, uh, prior to him committing to DePaul, there was already an established relationship. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a mad lib almost, I think for a lot of these transfers where, Nebraska didn't didn't uh, win the first time around, but obviously made enough of an impression to to be the choice the second time around. Kind of the same thing with CJ Wilcher, but um, six foot eight, six seven, six eight, uh, one hundred eighty five pound wing. He's can play the two or the three comfortably. I could see where maybe um, you, you could use him at the four in the right spot, depending on how he can guard and, and maybe how much weight he can put on, but. Um, you know, really well thought of uh, rankings wise before he reclassified to 2020. He was a top 50 recruit um, before that. So he'll have four years of eligibility is essentially coming in as a freshman with that one semester of uh, experience. So uh, just another guy that Nebraska adds to, um, you know, a, a pretty impressive recruiting class. I mean, I, I don't know if people really understand. I mean, Nebraska right now, uh, according to 24-7 Sports, as the number 14 recruiting class in the country, and that doesn't even factor in the transfers of Ed- Edwards and Wiltshire. So um, they're recruiting at a really high level right now. They're bringing in a lot of talent, and uh, you know, I guess we'll kind of see how that all meshes with what they bring back uh, from last year as well. But the uh, the, the show goes on as the uh, the, the trans again dipping into the transfer portal successfully. That's interesting about you talking about those guys having Nebraska high on their list coming out of high school and they're basically the bridesmaid. And then a year later or two, you're, you're the school again. I wonder 
this is maybe I don't want to sideswipe the conversation, but it, it does make me wonder with the portal as active as it is now and all these in football and basketball, if that's going to become more of a thing where you, you finish second or third, but uh, you're right there then suddenly in a year or two, we might see that a lot more than we ever did. Well, with the, the one-time transfer, um, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, it, these recruitments of these guys are, you know, it, it really is speed dating where a guy hits the portal probably hears from, you know, the, the highly rated guys probably are hearing from 15, 20 schools. And if you have an established relationship already, I mean, it really does kind of help you cut through uh, the riffraff a little bit. And I, I think too, you know, if you have a strong relationship with those guys, uh, you know, the second time around in the recruiting process, I think guys are kind of approaching it a little bit more clear eyed and what they're looking for having, you know, gone through the, the, the recruiting process once and, and maybe, you know, not feeling like it went well. So it's, you know, it, it really is important. I mean, I, I think <laughs> in some ways it's like, if you, you lose out for a guy, you kind of say, all right, you know, best of luck. We'll see you in a year and a half. I mean, that, that's kind of <laughs> where they're at right now. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to go further into this conversation and take us further away from basketball, but I do want to throw this out there just quickly and see if you guys agree or disagree strongly. I think that the one-time transfer will have a bigger impact in basketball than it will in football. I just think that there's going to be so much uncertainty about, do you want to take a kid if he just went and spent a year somewhere, he didn't get anything out of it. And you can recruit somebody that's a similar style player that's going to need or will have one extra year with you. I, I just think that the younger, less impactful transfers in football are largely going to get ignored in favor of recruits still. Like there's going to be teams that load up on those guys that want to jump from the Mac to the Big 12 or whatever. But I, for the most part, I, I just think that you know, we're going to hear a lot about the 15% that matter and there's going to be 85 that just languish and do nothing in the transfer portal. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I mean, I, well, and part of that too, you know, it's, it's roster size. It's, you know, in college basketball, I mean, that's been the way of life for, you know, I mean, Hoiberg was doing this back at Iowa state and he was kind of an outlier in, in the way that they were building things. And he mentioned this last week, you know, the, the game has completely changed where before they were recruiting against a few people, uh, a few schools, and now it's, it's everybody. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a lot more impactful in basketball. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's more, it makes more sense in basketball too, because I think a lot of times what happens is you, you get guys that, um, you know, end up at mid-major programs or whatever, just because they need another year or two to develop, they start playing good basketball because they get minutes mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they can hang at a, a bigger school. I mean, a guy like, I don't know, like a Kobe Webster, I think is a pretty good example of a guy that, you know, really went to a lower level school and, and showed he could play. And, and that translates to uh, the big 10 as he gets farther in his career. So I mean, Nebraska is not going to change the way they operate, but I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, the numbers and, and just the way that people are used to doing business, I think it's going to be a lot more impactful in basketball than it is in football. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else we want to add on basketball or should we jump over to Nebraska's number one baseball team that can't make the top 25 because Northern baseball schools don't get any respect or something along those lines. I, I got one other thing on basketball. Okay. 
So uh, kind of waiting on, I guess, two decisions too uh, that, that affect Nebraska's roster for, for next year. Um, we, we talked to Fred Hoiberg uh, last week and Thor's back in Iceland um, deliberating, probably listening to some Schubert in a quiet room um, about what he's going to do. And I would be surprised if he's back um, and Nebraska's talking to him. They wouldn't mind it if he came back. Um, and, and Shamil Stevenson's kind of in the same boat where those conversations are ongoing with Nebraska about what his future holds. Uh, his situation is a little bit more unique. He has transferred, so he, he's not eligible for the, the one-time transfer. Uh, he turns 23 this month, so he's a little bit farther along um, in, in age that, that, that also kind of plays a role, I think, in kind of what guys ultimately decide. But, um, you know, right now Nebraska has one open scholarship uh, for this recruiting class because Kobe Webster and Trevor Lakes don't count to that number. I mean, they could potentially have 15 scholarship guys um, on, on the roster. So um, that's going to be something to watch over the next few weeks. I, I would be surprised if either of those guys come back, but um, you know, I, I do think Nebraska's kind of getting a little bit full here in terms of what their, uh, their roster construction is going to look like for next season. Would that lead you to believe that they'll try to take another guy that might just simply redshirt to, to use the spot or do they just kick those over to 2022? I think they keep, they, they keep looking in the portal. I mean, I, at this point, I don't know that you're probably going to find a, a high school guy that's really going to, you know, make an impact for you. That, and it's, I guess, kind of going back to the, the one-year conversation it, or one transfer, I mean, it, it's, it's tough to ask a guy to just kind of come in and redshirt, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they look around, see what's out there, but I think they're comfortable kicking it down the road too um, to, to the next recruiting class if they have to. I think on the next podcast, we should just go through and try to remember who the hell all these guys are on the basketball team, because it's, we, we expected less movement this year and there has been less, but it still feels like there's like seven new people that we need to learn. Well, there's, there's six new guys coming in and, and this isn't even a full rebuild compared to the past so, two years, which is crazy. Right. It'll be seven when they ultimately take one more and all look correct. You think, you think they're going to take one more? Well, you said that they have a spot and they're looking in the portal. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's a lot of guys. Like, we're going to have, like, a roster of, like, 20 it, guys. Right? You like a baseball team. You made me look foolish. We'll see. Man, he's right. back. <laughs> you have me even more confused now. <laughs> I just – I don't think that there's – I mean, when you're talking about adding a guy who's essentially the 13th guy probably in your rotation, um, it, it just I, – I don't, I don't think you take a guy just to take a guy. That's fair. All right. Nebraska baseball, not in the top 25, still not a big deal, but what is a big deal? They continue to stack up wins. They swept a Penn state team that they should sweep. They have who Michigan state this weekend. They do. And uh, they are, they're rolling along. What did you, did you learn anything new Brunts over the weekend in this series uh, that has nothing to do with the fact that you're basically watching uh beta max production? <laughs> I would have taken Betamax. Um, I, I was really, I was really impressed with the Sony camcorder work by the, the Penn State broadcast folks. Um, but I, I don't know that I learned a ton. I mean, I, I think you saw this weekend that Nebraska, 
you, you kind of saw the full range of what Nebraska could do um, in this series where, you know, they, they win kind of a hard fought game on, on Friday night, Saturday, they come out and just bludgeon Penn state in the first inning and, and keep pouring it on. And then kind of have what, what was essentially a, a bit of a, you know, survival game on Sunday where it was a tight, um, you know, Nebraska made two uncharacteristic errors. Um, but at the same time, Shea Shannon looked good again. Um, you, you got good pitching out of the bullpen and you, you didn't issue a walk that whole game. So you're able to kind of do what was expected of you and, and move on. And that's where, that's where this team is at right now. They're 18 and six. They're a little bit past the midpoint in the season, but because their schedule is so backloaded with you know, Michigan in that final weekend series, they still have Indiana and Ohio state left uh, on the schedule um, or at least Indiana, sorry. Um, you have kind of those prove it series later in the year. So um, you just got to keep stacking up wins, playing solid baseball. And I, I think this team, you know, I, I think they have, they're going to have the ability, I think, to be pretty dangerous, uh, you know, as a potential NCAA tournament team because they can pitch just well enough. They play good defense. And, you know, you've got six regular guys hitting over 300 in the last 10 games. So they can hit too. Um, and they're just playing really good baseball right now and frankly have been all year. So that's a good sign. You guys want to talk hosting? You guys excited for a potential host? I would like to see Nebraska host. So Nebraska, let's see, last week confirmed that they had submitted a bid to potentially be an NCAA tournament host. Um, they typically have done that every year, uh, that there's a chance that they're going to make the NCAA tournament. It's a little bit of a, yeah, you know, we'll get there just in case we're, you know, in the top 20 um, of the RPI, we'll, we'll submit a bid. But this year, because of COVID, they're, they're not – tying those host sites as much to RPI. They're looking at other factors like, uh, you know, how many seats your stadium has, do you have size for, uh, you know, the, the setup for testing uh, that you have to do. And they're going to announce those um, earlier than they would. So it's May, the week of May 12th, you'll know if you're a host or not. Um, Nebraska right now, I mean, RPI is tough with only playing big 10 teams, but they're in the high forties. With the, with the chance to, to move up with beating some, some better teams. And kind of depending on how the NCAA decides to actually, um, you know, weigh the different factors, I think Nebraska's got at least an outside shot at being a host. And that's a, that's a pretty exciting thing. I mean, 2008 was the last time that they hosted a regional. Um, that, that one obviously didn't go uh, Nebraska's way, but um, – you know, it seems like there's a little bit of a, uh, a carrot on the end of the stick for Nebraska, especially if they can kind of keep this run together that they've, they've been playing the last, uh, I guess, the first half of the season, really. So they decide the hosting site how far in advance of the end of the regular season? So typically they decide um, basically the, the, um, the weekend before the, the tournament starts. And now oh, okay. it's going to be the uh, second week in May. So you're going to have, you know, conference tournaments being played elsewhere. Um, and, you know, these schools are going to know whether they're going to host or not. Um, you know, what, what's 
kind of interesting for Nebraska is you're going to unfortunately know, um, you know, you're going to know if you're going to host or not. The NCAA is going to make that decision. And unfortunately for Nebraska, you're not going to have played Michigan or know if you're the big 10 champion um, for, for the, the committee to make that decision. So um, is that a good thing, a bad thing? I don't know, but that, that's <laughs> something else that kind of factors is, you know, you, you could have a really good record, but maybe not the, you know, added pieces of the resume that would maybe put you over the top. Let's say they said you're, you can host. So, and then you kind of stumbled down the finish. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of, they're, they're kind of like, they already said we're hosting, man. You might, you might as well let us play in our own tournament. No, the, the most NCAA <laughs> thing to do would be to, to have Nebraska as a host and then send them, send Nebraska to like Nashville as like a three seed in the Vanderbilt regional. Like they, they, they give Nebraska the host and then don't have them play in Lincoln. Yeah, I think it's savvy. I think it, Nebraska's an alluring place to have host one, so maybe the NCAA is like, okay, yeah, put one there. And then, like, if you go on a skid at the end of the year, there you you stay inside the bubble because they're just like, well, they're already hosting. We'll get them <laughs> you know, Nebraska, like, ah, 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 ah. no, nope, yeah. you already said. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a sharp move. I uh, I I like Nebraska's lineup. I don't want to see him having to hit off a of jack lighter. Tennessee touched him up a little bit. I saw that. They had, what, back-to-back home runs against him. Yeah. But, no, I mean, I, I think Nebraska has the mentality as a team that would allow them to play pretty competitively in tournament baseball. And if you can pitch and play defense, uh, you're already in a good spot when it, when it comes to, uh, to, to kind of the setup. The, the, the one thing that would worry me is Nebraska's uh, – the depth of the pitching, I guess, if they had to go really late into a potential uh, tournament weekend. Are, are you guys going to be playing baseball here today between the A's and the Twins? Isn't that the series this week? Yeah, BC's boys ducked the uh, hottest team in baseball last night. I don't know if you saw that. The, yeah, my guys have been having some issues. Health issues and pitching issues, all the issues. Well, the good thing is Byron Buxton has completely broken out, and I hear that he is the next biggest thing in baseball, provided that he can play two games a week. Yeah, if he can, yeah, that's the question. That's yeah, always the question. We're playing two today, including a, a seven seven inning matchup. Correct? Yeah, they're that I, that throws me off every time. Like this this uh, seven inning. I love them. Better thing now. I love them. I love them. It's my favorite. I love when the Twins play double headers. I think it's it. it I'm not, I'm not saying the game should go from nine innings, but it is enjoyable actually to watch a seven inning major league baseball game. They are starting the second game would be starting at eight 30 on uh, tonight, which is, is kind of fascinating. Like that's a pretty late start. Like uh, eight thirty local time. Yeah. That's that that's West coast baseball, Mike. You just got to embrace yeah. it. Put on a pot of coffee. Well, on the West coast, it's still seven, you know, Mm-hmm. it's just nine o'clock here when you have to turn your A's on. Yep. Is this the year that you finally believe in the Seattle Mariners? They're, they're playing well. I'll give them that. Um, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. That sounds so, like a new. Yeah. They'll yeah. fizzle. They'll fizzle. Yeah. All right. And with that, we have filled our obligation to talk 
about things that aren't Nebraska sports for three minutes. All right, we will uh, we'll duck out. Be sure to check out Husker 24-7. Brunch, we have a deal going right now. Flash sale, uh, 60% off a, uh, an annual subscription to Husker 24-7. Today only. Today, Tuesday, April 20th. Right. Today only. 60% off an annual subscription. Get there. Well, we better wrap up so then people can listen to this and get signed up for a subscription. So be sure to check out Husker 24-7, jump on that deal, and we'll catch you later this week with another podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.